Eric, what are we drinking today? We are drinking a Tommyknockers Imperial Breakfast Porter from their Over the Bar series, and it's brewed with coffee, maple syrup, and rolled oats. This one has got a 8.8 ABV, so I'm glad I'm actually only drinking one, and a 20 IBU. This actually came at the suggestion of Rebecca that we do a breakfast beer. I couldn't find the ones that she actually suggested. Well, technically, it was Sterling's suggestion because he's the beer geek. In fact, I wish he was here to talk about this because he could go on and on about beer. So I think I know how you feel about it because that face was priceless. That was so gross. You're right. We probably should have videotaped that. We'll have to do we'll have to do that in the future. Like Becca tastes different alcohols and makes a face after every single one. We'll do it within the next couple of months when we do the ski school episode. Okay. We'll make that happen. We also do a beer on every project challenge, so whenever you happen to be <laughs> I'll always ask gross. for you to taste it and Yeah, that's and fine. Read it. I know it's entertaining to people, so I'm always willing to do it, but God, that tastes awful. <laughs> I'm loving it. So I mean, you do this rated out of five, right? Correct. So I'm a huge fan of dark beers, uh, more so than E is. And this being a very good porter, in my opinion, I would give it a 4.5 out of 5. I think it was, it was a very good beer. I'm going to go 4 out of 5. I'm not into the, the porters as much, but it's a very tasty porter. It's like a breakfast Guinness. So Guinness isn't my favorite. I like to drink it. It's smooth, but it doesn't have a lot of flavor to it. So a breakfast Guinness is a good way to put this. I'm digging it too. 4 out of 5 is what I was thinking I always forget that I can use uh, fractions or decimal points, so I'll have to maybe reconsider. It might be a 4.1 out of 5. It's pretty fucking good. I would recommend this one to other people. It's a tasty beer. Good way to start the day. Thank you, Sterling. Well, gosh, I wish I had one. If you weren't driving and had watched Cloak & Dagger, I would have made sure to have you one. There you go. (laughs) See, you get rewarded for doing your homework there, T. (laughs) I'm just going to go pick up my Switch. This is Project Challenged with your host, Doug Lund, doing something interesting with the DN Challenge this week. Also joined by Eric G. Hollis and the balance of the BitFaced crew this afternoon, the multi-talented Rad Cosplay and Mahatma Gandhi. They allowed me to sit in on their BitFaced session, so in turn, the BitFaced crew is joining Project Challenge today. Our first segment is one that I'm hoping we actually can revisit frequently. Right now, as of today, it's called The Wrinkly Old Sack. I couldn't think of a more apt or offending name for those old movies, music, games that we go back and revisit. We pull them out of the old wrinkly sack and we talk about them. The subject of today's wrinkly old sack is the 1984, what I would call classic, Cloak and Dagger featuring Henry Thomas and Dabney Coleman. When was the last time you watched Cloak and Dagger, Doug? Because I'm going to say you and I were living next door to each other last time I watched Cloak and Dagger. I've seen it since then. I couldn't tell you when. Maybe part of it that was on TV within the last decade is as close I can give you. And Rebecca, you had never seen it. I had never seen it. And I'm someone who prides myself on, despite how young I am, still knowing a lot of the cult classics from the 80s. And I had only heard of it briefly, but I had never seen it before. Maybe you should start with your opinion on the movie. I think it held up pretty well. Now, some of it didn't. 
And we'll get to that in a second. Davey! But I thought most of the film held up pretty well. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I had briefly glanced over some reviews, not looking at any details, just seeing what star ratings and stuff were. And they were kind of middle of the pack, maybe slightly on the side of good. So I wasn't really expecting too much going into it, but I actually really liked it. And even Sterling, he was playing video games sitting next to me while I was watching it on my laptop, and he stopped playing Diablo and was just watching. He had seen it when it came out, but hadn't seen it since. So we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, there's definitely some things that were a little uh, nails on chalkboard, but for the most part, I thought it was good. And I still have not seen it yet. (laughs) And that's his entire contribution to this segment. First thing I should do is give a shout out to Carl Undine, who actually made the suggestion for this movie. And as soon as I saw it, I recognized it as something that was going to be some good conversation fodder for the show. It wasn't a trope at the time. It is now the video game movie. The plot is set up early by a video game. It's not a very well used MacGuffin uh, in terms of the plot line that it generates. But I think that may be a reflection of how the video game and the movie actually came together. There was a game that was called Agent X and a movie, Cloak and Dagger, they became aware of each other. And so they decided to collaborate. So this was not the first example of a video game and movie collaboration because I still think Tron holds that title because it came out a couple of years before. We did the research on this, Tyler, at one point and it was Tron, correct? Yeah, I think so. I agree. I think it actually held up quite well. I really enjoyed watching it. There were some slow parts um, kind of start to finish. Do you know what other video game-centric movie came out the same day as Cloak and Dagger? I believe it was July of 1984. Was it also on the Atari 7800? I don't know if there was actually a game much like Cloak and Dagger, which never saw actual production as a video game. That game doesn't exist, then? That game was never actually released on the 5200. It was the 5200, then? It was. It's in the movie. You can see him playing with the 5200 controllers. I can never tell the 78 and the 5200 apart. They were both giant pieces of shit. Yeah, I think the movie was actually originally intended to be a giant commercial for the 5200 since it was struggling compared to its predecessor. Hmm. I didn't realize that that game never had come out. It did not. It looked pretty cool. It looked like Robotron meets Food Fight is what I thought watching the film. Very similar level style where you get through the level, kill a couple guys, the level's about to blow up, you have to escape next. That's one of my big problems with the plot, though. That information that was stored on the Cloak and Dagger cartridge, they were taking that to another video game player that could get to level 99 to unlock the actual information, or did they have another plan in mind? It wasn't level 99, it was a certain score, like... Okay, yeah, you know what I'm saying. One nine million or something like that. 1,329,000. What she said. Also, answer the fucking question. I don't know. It was The Last Starfighter came out on the same day as Cloak and Dagger, which may be one of the reasons why Cloak and Dagger didn't do so well, and I think The Last Starfighter did. You think it death blossomed, Cloak and Dagger? I think it did. I remember seeing The Last Starfighter in the theater. I did not see Cloak and Dagger in the theater. I saw it on VHS. My parents hadn't even met yet when Cloak and Dagger was in the theater. So (laughs) (laughs) I would not have been able to see it in the theater. (laughs) And so it was a year after E.T.? Because Henry Thomas still looks almost exactly the same. Was E.T. 83 or 84? I want to say E.T. was 82. 82, okay. And this was in the greatest movie year of all time, 1984. E.T. is 82. And The Last Starfighter and uh, Cloaking Dagger came out July 13th of 1984. That's a very good trivia question, though. You know, I think the thing that stood out to me most immediately as a parent now, watching... Rebecca's giving me the eye rolls. That's going to throw me off. I'm sorry. As a parent or a, as a parent as it as is? As 
a parent, as mm-hmm. someone that has kids, there you go. I'm watching a 10-year-old kid run around talking to himself while all kinds of adults are noticing this. I started feeling bad for him pretty quickly. And the more the movie went on, the sadder I got. This is a tragic story. It is. That poor kid is going to be fucked up for the rest of his life. Yeah, I absolutely thought the same thing. When he's hiding under the table on Riverwalk and the woman is like, can you get out of here? I'm like, this kid is obviously like in need of help. What are you What are you doing, you bitch? Fucking salty ass Henry with his low cut golf shorts. <laughs> I remember that scene. Yeah, like why doesn't anyone help this kid out who clearly has mental issues? I mean, there's a lot of pathology that presents in the fact that his dad is essentially his imaginary friend. How fucking sad is that? Yeah. One thing that shocked me, and I'm not a parent, but good God, the amount of freedom those kids had. They, kids would not be able to go downtown, up a skyscraper. And then at one point, he pulls out a realistic looking gun <laughs> on a security guard. And I was like, dude, in 2017 America, Henry Thomas would have got shot right there. Yep. If he was a black kid, he would have got shot before he even reached in his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's the scene that you were watching when you made that comment in text. All kinds of situations that he ends up in that modern kids would not. I've talked about this before. We enjoyed all kinds of freedoms that parents would never allow their kids to these days because we became aware of the existence of pedophiles and all kinds of other monsters. Or even even when I was around that age, when I was like 8, 10. 10 years ago. 14 not, not years even. ago. <laughs> Last week. Fuck you. <laughs> I had a cell phone at that age so that my parents could get in touch with me and I could get in touch with them or call 911 if something happened. And it was just this kind of like surreal moment where the kids were running away from these spies. I'm like, no one's calling 911 like in my head. And then I had to be like, oh, that's because no one has a fucking cell phone because in 1984. <laughs> Because he uses a payphone at one point, doesn't he? Isn't that how he calls dad What's at the end of the movie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he does. He calls dad and Kim, your favorite character, on a payphone. Let's talk about Kim for a second. Oh Go God. ahead, Eminem. For a PG movie, he almost watches her get thrown off of a, uh, like, off like not a cliff. That's not the best way to put it. But they're going to kill her. Yeah. I thought a lot of the themes of the movie, I was like, damn, this would definitely be PG-13 nowadays. Correct? Easily. I mean, I would they, think. they fucking shoot at him. They shoot at him and, again, imaginary friend sets him on basically a path of crime from the beginning of the movie. He tells him to steal the video game. Right. He tells him to steal a car. He tells him to climb into the trunk with his dead fucking friend. That would scar him for life. Right. That, that was when I, that was the first time watching the whole movie where I was like, this movie's really fucked up. <laughs> and then his friend talks him into killing two fucking people. How fucked up is that? <laughs> yeah. I thought William Forsyth did a great job playing me in the movie. <laughs> when his character came on screen, I was like, holy shit. Because Forsyth plays villains now. I'm going to argue I've never seen him bearded before. I didn't know he was in the movie until I saw the credits. And I was like, who the fuck did he play? Oh, he's the game store owner. He doesn't play roles like that. I, I like seeing him in that. He's always the villain. I know you've seen William Forsyth mm-hmm. in something. Both of you guys have. And he always plays the villain. I liked him as the computer slash role-playing game store, which would not exist anymore. That store had all the D&D crap, and they had all the video games. I, did a store like that ever exist? Probably, but not now. Now, who did you recognize in the film? And it's later in the movie, but there's someone that's right there on the screen that I was like, that is fucking... Are we thinking of the same person? Louis? Louis, yep. Louis Anderson is one of the cab drivers that says, nah, I'm not going to take you. You know, and then the, the one guy does take him to the airport. I thought that was pretty awesome. Louis getting his toe in the film industry at that point. I liked the movie. I thought it held up a lot better than I thought it would. 
I don't think it's revered in the same breath, though, as like the Goonies or even the last Starfighter. And it could be because the premise of it is so troubling. (laughs) Poor kid just lost his mom, literally goes crazy. And there really is no redemption at the end of this movie other than he maybe mentally reconciles the fact that the person he's been having these adventures with has been his dad all along. And the movie ends very suddenly. I question a lot of the, I know it's a movie, a lot of the decisions, like I know that was his son, but are they really going to only send him out there because he's got a little bit of Air Force training to save him? I mean, the movie ends, a million dollar plane blows up and it's like, hey, son, we're back together. Credits. (laughs) Yeah. It was such a huge deal for the FBI agent to get the game cartridge with the information on it into this kid's hand and try to tell him, here's how you unlock it. And then that cartridge is lost because the whole plane blew up. I'm assuming that that would have had some information on who's leaking all of this and and stuff like that, that they really needed. Well, we don't have that information anymore. We don't know who the the spies were working with. We don't know any of that. And now also this kid has to live with the fact that one of his friends got killed. He murdered some people. He's going to be fucked up for the rest of his life. We'll get to that in a second, because I read a really great cracked article with a fan theory. But at least we know that the SR-71 Blackbird uh, eventually saw the light of day, because I'm pretty sure that's what the plans were when uh, William Forsyth was looking at him. I'm just going to kind of assume that they were trying to get the plans to Daryl. <laughs> to Daryl, right. Ooh, good one. That's the plan that Daryl fries around. We may have to throw Daryl on the wrinkly old sack. Luckily, we might know what happens to young Davy Osborne later in life. He's not doing any better. Because the fan theory is that the logical sequel to Cloak and Dagger is Fight Club. Oh, huh. I'll give you a minute to think about that. (laughs) You have to go back and watch Fight Club now. Now, besides the names being different, it's not David Osborne in Fight Club, is it? How do you know? That's true. Dude, Fight Club has a a lot of problems. Let me ask you this. What's the name of the Edward Norton character? Tyler Durden. No, Tyler Durden is Brad Pitt. But aren't they the same person? Are they? That's his imaginary character's name so or are they different people because at one point tyler durden's driving the car and edward norton's sitting there so who's actually driving the car well edward norton's character and by the end of the movie you know that it can only be edward norton but uh, he's only never referred to even in imdb as the narrator so he doesn't have a name well so sure he does it's davy osborne it depends there is there a dabney coleman appearance in fight club you sold me if that happened but i don't think it did (laughs) in fight club people like to call him Cornelius, because that's one of the names he uses when he goes to all the different groups. Or Jack, because he keeps reading those little, you know, snippets. So do they ever give him a real name? Not necessarily. But who's to say he doesn't give his real name at one of those groups? He could. Obviously, there's no correlation between these two movies. I thought it was a really interesting idea to Becca's point. What happens when a fucked up kid with these mental conditions grows up? (laughs) This might be one way that plays out. Yeah, definitely. I always love... When fans can sell a crazy theory like that, it's definitely one of those things similar to like Freedom Squadron. Like if you can sell it, I'm kind of sold on it. Like even if there are some inconsistencies, if you present a good enough argument, I'm like, okay, that's my new headcanon. I like that. Are we going to talk about Freedom Squadron? Probably not, right? You can talk about anything you want. We just have to be done in the next uh, 37 minutes. That's fair. I'm glad we revisited Cloak and Dagger. I remember liking the movie a lot as a kid. Very Texas-centric film, too. You see the Dallas Cowboys mentioned multiple times. Uh, In fact, I think Davey has a Dallas Cowboys poster on his wall, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And a lot of it is shot at the actual Riverwalk downtown San Antonio. There's a scene at the Alamo. 
the old people still creep me the fuck out. That's as soon as they showed up on the screen, I remembered the plot twist. I was like, oh, those fuckers. Um, I'm mad. I didn't figure that out, but I was so just kind of engrossed in the film. I wasn't thinking a couple steps ahead. I'm mad. I did not figure that out. I should have figured it out when he had no problem switching the cases, the old guy, but I didn't. Anything else that you want to add? No, you're not even on the microphone. No, I have nothing else to add here. (laughs) I know. Well, then we're going to switch gears into a topic that Tyler can actually talk quite a bit about. Last year at, I think it was San Diego Comic-Con, Sega announced that they were producing not one, but two new Sonic the Hedgehog titles. Over the past few weeks, we've been getting some additional information. Uh, Most recently, gameplay footage trailer for Sonic Forces, which is the 3D version of the Sonic game. But the first one we're going to talk about is Sonic Mania, the 2D side-scroller, which should be out. uh, I think it was originally earmarked for spring of this year, maybe got pushed back to summer. But sometime in the next few months, we're going to get a new 2D Sonic game. We are. And what worries me, I watched the trailer this morning four or five studios working on a side-scrolling game always, I think, leads to being a problem. The game does look amazing. They're really trying to take the Sonic character back to the roots. They already kind of did that, though, when they did Sonic 4, Episode 1 and 2, which came out recently on the 360, so I don't necessarily think it's a new angle. I'm more excited about Sonic Forces, only because they're really going for the two-player, play-at-the-same-time aspect of the game. But it's going to be more of like the Sonic that came out on the Dreamcast, that style of gaming. My question is this, is Sonic still relevant? I'm not sure that he really is. Like at this point, the only people who have played Sonic are really maybe Becca's age and up. And everyone else who's tried to play Sonic has played the one for the Wii, the 3D, god awful. The dialogue was just bad. So Sonic really isn't relevant. And a lot of people look at it in a negative light who've come into the series recently. I actually have Sonic and the Secret Rings for the Wii. (laughs) There's that one. And then what is it? Sonic and the Black Knight both got just horrendous reviews. I haven't played either one of them. Are they as terrible as it they make it sound? The only reason I got Sonic and the Secret Rings, I got it for really, really cheap way after it came out. I don't play the main story missions. I play like their party mode, which is basically a Mario Party knockoff. And it's pretty fun. It's not as good as any Mario Party ever is, but that's really the only reason that I have it. Will I play these two games? Absolutely, I will. But I was playing Sonic last night in preparation for the cast today. I'm a big fan of the character. Do I think he's still relevant? Mario doesn't have bad games. There might be a couple. But Sonic has had a string of subpar titles. These look great based on the trailers. But yeah, Sonic Mania, four or five studios and also getting pushed back. Two reasons for me to be concerned. Yeah, I think one thing we've learned is that with a string of shitty games, there's certainly no nail in the coffin. Sega, which no longer produces hardware and is just doing uh, production and distribution, they've got to get one right eventually. And this is really the title that they've got to do it with, which may be why they're hitting us with two, to see which direction the gaming audience, their players, want the franchise to go back to traditional 2D or 3D. I think the thing that I always liked most about the Sonic games is it's the only game I've ever played where it managed to speed things up. You guys know what I'm talking about. When that happens, when things go supersonic, when you're at full speed, there's no other game that has that kind of gameplay element where you're still in control somehow, but things are just flying by you. It looked like Mania and Forces both have that aspect to them, especially Mania. I saw a lot of clips where... I used to call it running faster than the screen, where, yeah, you can't even see Sonic because the screen's moving so quickly. It's one of the things that turned me on to the original Genesis game. 
I think Sonic 2 is overrated. I think Sonic 3 is the underrated title. I think that kind of took it back to the roots. I mean, I'll absolutely play it. I have nothing but love in my heart for Sega, even though they don't make consoles anymore. But you know what? It's their own fault. They fucked it up and you're not going to be able to recover from that. When a company like Microsoft comes in with the deepest pockets, arguably in the gaming industry, competing against Sony, also some of the deepest pockets in the gaming industry, there's not really room outside of Nintendo anymore for there to be another console, I don't think. I had initially thought that when Microsoft was going to jump into the ring, and they have done so well. So I'm very appreciative that they did. I think we talked about this at the con last week. Sony is swinging for the fences and hitting every fucking ball out of the park right now. That they are, that they are. I think I'm going to end up picking up Horizon Zero Dawn. Since I asked Doug last night to pick a game we'd play together, not only did he not do that, but now I'm giving him Zelda, so I'm giving up on playing with Doug this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be playing Zelda. I ain't going to lie. You know, you can still hit me up on chat. We don't have to be playing the same game to be gaming together, bro. I'll hit you up just to chat. (laughs) That was my weak attempt to bring things back around to the Kim joke that flopped earlier. Uh, (laughs) I think there's a reason we haven't seen the actress that plays Kim. (laughs) I've seen her on the stripper pole. Oh, God. Are you serious? No. (laughs) Because if that was true, I would totally go get a lap dance so she could call me Davey. She is still working. Uh, Is she? She does a lot of bit parts on television series. Looks completely different. I wouldn't have recognized her. But who would recognize the wannabe Gertie? That was kind of wannabe, Gertie. That's a good way to put it. And they also had the romantic subplot between Davy's father and her mother that never plays out. It's kind of hinted at in two scenes, but you never really got anything beyond that. I think the movie had a lot of good directions, and then it just kind of ends. Yeah, it's very much like, oh, this would be cool, and then they just kind of never follow through on it. See, back in the 80s, we were still learning how to make good movies, so I don't know that that's true. I don't even know who directed this film, do you? No, and when I was watching it, of course, I pay attention to that shit, and the name that came by in the credits was Brian May. He did the music. But obviously didn't direct it. Tyler, you know who directed this movie. Richard Franklin. Oh, Dick Franklin. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He did Psycho 2. Crap. He did Road Games. Not even sure what that one is. He did a movie called Patrick. Sounds boring. As Richard Bruce, he did a movie called World of Sexual Fantasy. Wait, so Richard Bruce, he's got an alter ego that he's producing porn under. The plot thickens. (laughs) Before that, he made something called Dick Down Under. (laughs) Well, his name is Richard. What's the most recent thing he's directed? Uh, Visitors in 2003. Visitors. Who's in that one? Uh, Natasha Henstridge is going to be my guess. Oh, gosh. This doesn't even look good at all. Rada Mitchell and Ray Barrett. No. Uh, Michelle McClatchy. I don't know any of these names. <laughs> I don't know any of these names, and I'm pretty good at this shit. The plot of this, though, I'm going to read you the quick storyline synopsis, I think. Okay, and then we're going <laughs> to get back on track. Yeah. Uh, after six months at sea on an unassisted solo circumnavigation, Georgia Perry's 44-foot sloop is becalmed for several days. Cabin fever sets in, and the border between fact and fantasy begins to distort. But if these are just tricks of the mind, how do these encounters leave Georgia with physical manifestations? I was bored four words into you reading that. (laughs) It sounds awful. I don't think any of us have actually ever seen this movie. Why would you use the word sloop in a movie description? Unless it's a Beach Boys movie, I'd say no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it says it was written by Anonymous, so it was probably just some internet douchebag. 
Alan Smithy. Okay, I see what you're saying. That was some fan-generated content there. Yes. Um, that's why the word sloop was used, because someone was trying to sound like... Uh, a pirate. Yeah, they were dropping their nautical knowledge, yo. <laughs> All right, enough about that shit. <laughs> Let's talk about something really interesting. I know that this is a topic that everyone has an opinion on, probably discussed in every household, in every school, in every business around every water cooler. Nothing is a cooler conversation starter than the Oxford comma. I can't even follow that. <laughs> I can't unroll my eyes. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Oxford comma. I am too, but that's how I learned how to write. Agreed. I don't understand the opposition to it. Is it really that hard to put in an extra comma there to make the sentence clearer? Eric's got a good point. We learned when we were learning grammar that that's how you formed a sentence. Sometime along the way, everyone collectively changed their fucking minds and decided that comma didn't need to be there. I would venture to say that both of you learned to omit the Oxford comma when you were learning grammar. No, I learned to use it. Really? Yeah. I would also say I learned to use it. It's not AP style. I read that today, which was shocking to me. Fuck AP. Drunk hmm. and white all the way, yo. I use it all the time. I still use two spaces in between periods, though, and that's completely gone away. Well, but that's a typewriter thing. I do the same. It, it is. You're right. And Word doesn't like it. Word processors, in fact, in general, will not make that autocorrection for you. But I only use one space after periods. Two. Yeah. And I, was, and I never I used a typewriter either. Never? No. Word processor. How did you skip that whole... You and I had computers when we were kids, dude. And I still had to use a typewriter at school. I didn't. Word wow. processor. You guys went to the same school, though. Only for one year. One year. Oh, okay. Fifth grade, where uh, I guess we were typing stuff up in fifth grade, but... We had print shop, bro. You learned to use it that way. Do I you did. still write that way? I do. But what I think is interesting is I'll use my sister as an example even just between me going through school and my sister going through school, she's only three years younger than me, but there were a lot of differences in our education and I don't think she was taught to use it. So that might be maybe kind of right after me is where it fell out of style. Ah, okay. um, I even had, going back to like typing and typewriters, I had a typing class in school and everyone was required to take it where you'd have the little games that require you to push the... Mavis Beacon. What? Mavis Beacon. Yeah. Teaches typing. And so I type... Like you're supposed to type with your fingers aligned on the middle row and everything like that. My sister did not take a typing class. And so she pecks. <laughs> That's how <So>. I type. <laughs> Me too. But I can do what? it at 100 words a minute. <laughs> I can too. And people are like, That's not the way to do it. I'm like, Really? Because I come up with better words and I'm faster than you are. So don't, <laughs> don't tell me it's not the way to do it. But That's yeah, I think it's interesting how much changed just in three years between me and my sister because I don't think she was taught to use the Oxford comma. So that would have been sometime going by your age and when you would have learned grammar in the last um, 15 to 20 years then. Yeah. 10 to 15 years. The reason I decided to put it in the show today is that it's been in the news recently, this week, and then in the last couple months, I've seen it raise legal issues where there's some definitions in some job descriptions about what people are responsible for. You think about it in a legal context to use your strippers as an example. It completely changes the meaning of a sentence. And when you are attributing A, how people get paid, or B, what people are legally responsible for, and punctuation is making a difference, the Oxford comma, it's a fucking drama fucking whore that apparently can't get enough of the attention in the courtrooms lately. 
I saw that there was a huge lawsuit being argued, and I can't remember what for, but millions and millions of dollars over an Oxford comma, correct? Correct. And it had to do with what employees get paid for when it comes to distribution and packaging of something. Is it distribution, comma, and packaging or distribution and packaging? In one context, they get paid. In the other, they don't. So that's really what the whole argument was about. And I'm probably not describing that accurately, but it's kind of the gist of the situation somewhere out on the East Coast. I'm going to have to look this up because this is really absurd to me, like that we have legal issues and ramifications coming over a comma right now. That's just crazy. The problem is we can't all agree on whether we're all going to use it or not. If we all use the Oxford comma, probably very little ambiguity. But since some of us do and some of us don't, then we're always going to be left wondering, what does this imply? Are we talking about Hitler and Stalin and strippers or Hitler and Stalin strippers? I probably butchered that as well. Pretty close. (laughs) It depends on who you invited to the party. Strippers, JFK and Stalin, or the strippers, JFK and Stalin. JFK, not Hitler. How did Hitler make it to the stripper party? I don't because you were thinking Hitler aligns more with Stalin, I guess, not JFK. Yeah. Well, they both have their ties, I guess. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying really hard to dress up a really dry topic. And I can see on both your faces that you'd much rather be talking about something else. I was to say, the only thing Stalin right now is this bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's get into the fun part of the show, the meat. I think the part where we're all going to have the most fun. And I'm going to let you two set this one up since we oh, talked about shit. it on BitFace last week. Go ahead. Bex. No, you go ahead. I think in the spirit of doing a challenge every week or close to every week, we all kind of thought we could do better accents, not imitations, which will be another show, but accents. Not me. For the record, I never said I could do better accents than anyone. The main event is between (laughs) Rebecca and Eric and Tyler and I will absolutely participate, but I am not going to assert that I'm going to be better at this than either one of you. I'm better at some accents. I'm straight up awful with accents. So like I'm going to sound like some geriatric like Canadian when we're doing Irish (laughs) or something. That's what's going to I know I'm going to embarrass the shit out of myself and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm good if I can hear it before I speak. I don't think we're going to get that luxury today. So I'm also going to be equally (laughs) terrible. I'm a good mimic. Yeah, that's exactly how I am. If someone says something to me, I can spit it right back. But otherwise, I think Can you dial up that clip from the last episode where they're both talking about how they used to work stage and they're both bad asses when it comes to accents? Because there was some shit talking going on. But again, all I'm hearing right now is backpedaling. Both of you are backpedaling. Well, we're we're learning from the GOP, all right? We We had eight years to prepare for this bed and we haven't done shit. (laughs) Nice. So if that was the best thing that comes out of this bit, then I'm happy with that. But uh, I have a feeling we're going to get some good material here in the next 20 minutes or so. Now, how did you arrange this? Are you going to give us a sentence to read in an accent? How are we playing today? So let's not stick to rules. I came up with a couple of examples that I'd like you guys to do. And then I can tell you, I think, which one I found the best or the most entertaining. And then I say we take turns. Like Eric can throw something out that the rest of us can compete in. And we'll go around the table that way if that sounds okay. All right, let's, let's just put it out there that this is going to be very offensive if we get into some. <laughs> I intentionally avoided specific accents to try and skirt that whole issue. All of the Asian ones? <laughs> or Spanish, anything like that. I think we got to go with English dialects. Doesn't that make the most sense? We're all... No. <laughs> we're all native English speakers. So wouldn't you think we'd do things like Irish and Scottish and Canadian and British... 
Those would make the most sense. I mean, we could. And when it's your turn, then you can set the stage for that. Here, let's give us a warm up round. All right. All right. Um, and okay, I'll even participate if it's helpful. But Eric's actually going to start since he's to my left. We're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance with a Russian oh accent. God. God, the whole thing. It's not that long. I have to hear it. Fuck. Um, I can start. You start, Bex. Okay. If I can do it without laughing. This should be fun. I pledge allegiance. No, that's not right. <laughs> I can hear it in my head, but I can't say it. Fuck. I like how she puts her hand over her heart. This is Because it's the only way I can remember it. I haven't said the pledge in so long, you guys. You don't stand up every morning in your bed and say <laughs> No, I don't. That's Captain America that does that. <laughs> Fuck, now I'm nervous and I don't want to do it. <laughs> then I'll start. Okay, do it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You also get points because that's probably your Yakov Shmirnov too, isn't it? <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? Very similar. Or you're um, the dude that used to hang out with the Iron Sheik on WWE Wrestling. Whatever, motherfucker, your turn. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands... One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's pretty fun, good. Ugh, I was just thinking, check off, check off, check off, check off. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nuclear vessels. <laughs> Who's next? I'm really bad at accents. So you didn't prepare for this bit? <laughs> so, so I didn't prepare for this bit. No, I'm just really awful. I don't even, I don't I had, even know if I can do a Russian accent. It's kind of the point. <laughs> That's what, you know, just like the word game that we never got to air. We're just having fun. The word game was really fun, though. Um, I hope we air that at some point. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That's the closest I got. (laughs) That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. It's better than I did. There you go. You're not going to give another shot? I don't know if I can. I thought that would be an easy warm-up for us. Maybe I could be off, though. This is one man's opinion. Eric, you want to set us up for another Are we going to stick with the Pledge of Allegiance, or do we want to do like something else? Do whatever you want to do. Let's do Mary Had a Little Lamb, and let's do it Australian. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I suck at Australian accents. God damn it. We need to get Sterling on here to do that one. So you got a good Aussie accent? His aunt and uncle live in Australia. Ah, do I have to start? Yeah, I think you should start. Fuck, I'm terrible at this one, too. That's why I wanted to hear it first. Uh, <laughs> I can go if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. Do I have to sing it? No, I was trying to pick something that we all would know. Mary had a little... No, fuck. <laughs> this is really hard. It is. It's not easy. I wish I'd have more time to prepare, because if I can prepare, I can spit out an accent. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. That No, that's already... I'm already back in the UK. Yep. <laughs> Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. Nope, I, I keep slipping back Mary into... Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. Yeah, see, I'm back in, in, in England too. I, I think your last one was actually really close, Doug. The only thing I can say with an Australian accent is Australian for beer. <laughs> the only thing I can say is, uh, I see you've played Knife Your Spoonie before. <laughs> That dingo ate my baby. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I just know it from The Simpsons. It's a, it's a hard accent to do. I think if we sat down and watched Crocodile Dundee, though, all of us would be doing it by the end of the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is really hard just to improv it without hearing it. Yeah. Good. Then it's an actual fucking challenge, which, a challenge which it yeah, should it be. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is hard. I don't like this. <laughs> What's your go-to Australian phrase? Throw that out there. Mine is super offensive. <laughs> Besides good eye mate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put another know, shrimp that's... on the barbie. <laughs> you think that's offensive? <laughs> Isn't that offensive? I don't know, man. Outback Steakhouse like rocks the shit out of that one. Yeah, blooming onion. <laughs> <laughs> I got my boomerang, mate. <laughs> I think we can all agree that we suck at the Aussie accent. We suck at the Aussie accent. I really want to get Sterling on here and have him do it wherever he is. Well, why don't you set us up for some more success first and give us something that might actually play out a little better in this challenge. I'm getting all of my accents mixed up in my head right now. And you didn't even drink. I know. It's just because accents are weird for me. I'm the same way. I think it's a normal human instinct. So when I am speaking to someone from the South, I'll actually start to like draw on my words and i think i have a very neutral so like, you're madonna <laughs> a madonna syndrome sure how's your valley girl if we're talking like regional affectations then you have to talk about the valley girl accent doing the valley girl is all about the pauses <laughs> it is there's a lisp in there too i think and maybe spoons and 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 the laugh the ha <laughs> ha <laughs> Valley Girl's a good one, though. I didn't think about that. Definitely, I've thought about Southern, though. It's an accent, I mean. It is, technically. Um, I do think that I'm probably going to be the best at Valley Girl, just because I do that all the time. Anyways. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's just absurd to me. It's just, it's so absurd. Like, like, I can't even believe that you're trying to say this right now. Like, that's, this is just crazy to me. Like, I oh, my God. that, just to use, like, your last example, that, Mary had like a little lamb whose fleece was like, I don't know, like white as snow. That bitch Mary would never be welcome in the valley. <laughs> I don't know what that ratchet bit thinks she's doing with those shoes, but those sheep are actually the best part of her outfit. She should have told that lamb, no white after Labor Day. Valley <laughs> <laughs> Girl's a good one, though. Uh, can you do Southern, Tyler? I don't think I can on command. Like I said, I'm decent at it. I'm actually pretty good at it when I'm speaking with someone with a southern accent. So no, is you what do you're a saying. lot, lot better if you're watching some NASCAR, listening to <laughs> Bo Cephas. I always wonder if other people pick up on that because one of my coworkers, uh, his name is Mike, and he's got a very heavy southern accent. And so when when we're talking, I'll start to put a little bit of emphasis on what I'm saying. What's that- wrong with Bo Cephas? Nothing. That's what I thought. <laughs> So I got someone who's going to do an Australian accent for us since we all suck at it. Are you going to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb? That's how it was set up. Yeah. She talked you up too. Like Now we have high expectations. Don't DC all over this. <laughs> don't, don't DC all over this. Damn, Tyler. <laughs> That's brutal. And I'm telling that to Captain America. So. Did, you guys, did you guys already talk about the DC uh, trailer? We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, we did. We watched it, but we didn't talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had an opinion on it. I think it looks good, but as we said earlier, I do not want to get my hopes up. I will never be excited for another DC yeah. movie ever again. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, let's see. Right in the mouth. So, right in the mouth. Mm. My Sheila, <laughs> this is our Mary. She had this little lamb, and she went to the market and got. I think it was a billabong, right? Might have been. Might have been. I'm not sure. Uh, then we went down to the market and we went to the, oh, what was it? What was it? I think it was 
something about fleece. There was fleece there, wasn't there? <laughs> we bought some fleece at the store, and um, it was really white. It was really white. Uh, it's kind of like snow. I haven't seen snow. It doesn't snow in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going on off my own assumptions there. What else happened? I'm trying to think about this song. Anything, anything else? Yeah, go ahead and pull the Let's microphone see. out and just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> but please don't. They're expensive. Like, literally, don't listen to Doug. It's a very nice microphone. I'm not going to take it, but it's nice. I'm not going to mess it up. So, there you go. Thank you. How the fuck do we follow that up? <laughs> we, we don't. Just like every aspect of life, Sterling putting us to utter fucking shame. There you go. You can, you can tell him my secret. Huh? You can tell him why. He's actually Australian? Half of his family is, and he spends a lot of time there. So that's where he is. Is there an Australian equivalent to Captain America? Did they have a Captain Australia? Uh, not formally, although I've seen people do it. Isn't Captain Planet Australian? <laughs> do they just put more stars on the shield, or how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at that accent. Now I feel ashamed. That's really good. Yeah, I don't know how any of us are going to follow that. He just straight up like MCU'd <laughs> the fucking... <laughs> We've got to do one more. We got to recover somehow. Come All right. on, guys. Let's rally. I've got this. All right. I just want you guys to just speak. It doesn't really matter what you say, but I want an Irish accent. Oh, fuck. I'm not good at Irish. I know I'm going to have the same problem that I had with Australia. I think I'm going to keep falling back into like a, a half Cockney English accent. <laughs> Irish is difficult. Or Scottish. I think I have the same problem. You want to give that one a go, Eric? Irish? This is Red Rocks. This is the edge. That's like, <laughs> as fucking Irish as it gets, right? See, I think this is where it starts getting really racist because all I want to talk about is alcohol right now. Yeah. Or, or beating your wife. <laughs> well, you know, one comes before the other. <laughs> but the beating always. The only Irish accent that I can think of right now is actually from Borderlands when you're doing the clan wars between the Hodunks and the Zaffords. So I'm trying to even think of like an Ooh, Irish accent in my mind. I'm trying to think of what Lucky Charms sounds like, and it's <laughs> I'm not coming up with anything. That's the other thing that's in my head is the leprechaun from, was it Family Guy or was it Simpsons? Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons did it. I think it's Simpsons, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> God, no, I can't remember. Yeah, it was Simpsons when he cursed uh, Homer or hexed him. It's one of those. I've got a really good friend that is Irish, and if I really try to butcher his language, he'll probably kill me and <laughs> quit listening to both of our podcasts. So, <laughs> Shout out to you, Martin. Love you, buddy. <laughs> Can anyone do like the uh, the Snatch Gypsy accent? Is anyone any good at that? Uh, like the Pikeys? The Pikeys. Oh, God. Now, you'd have to give me a sentence again, or if you give me something to read, I could try to do it, but... <laughs> You don't even fucking understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. In a whole point, not to understand what the fuck the... They just chop it up, and it's all... What is that called? Where they replace the words with local phrases that only they get, and because they associate it with other shit. It's it, like Cockney rhyming slang. It, it yeah. is, exactly. Yeah. That's part of it, and then yeah. they take it a whole nother level to make it even less intelligible. Yeah. Um, like, one of the best examples that I ever saw of Cockney rhyming slang that really, I guess, kind of solidified what it is. I don't remember what it was from, but this guy would say Mickey to mean house because Mickey Mouse rhymes with house. And so it's like, if you're not there, you just don't. They do it in Ocean's Eleven when he's like, uh, Don Cheadle's like, we're Barney. And he's like, Barney? And he's like, you know, Barney, rubble, treble. And like, how the fuck did you get from one of those to the other? <laughs> yeah. And people criticize Cheadle's accent in that movie that it's not very authentic. I could not tell the fucking difference. <laughs> Let me see if I can do this. I used to be all right at it. The magically delicious. 
No, I'm going back to I'm going back to the Pikes, the gypsy accent. Hey, look at this big fella over here. Nobody brings a big fella like that unless you're trying to say something without saying something. That wasn't bad, Tyler. Wasn't yeah, bad. that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I used to be all right at that. I like that movie a lot. I'm a huge fan of that. And Lock, Big fan of Snatch? Yeah, big fan of Snatch. Huge fan of Snatch. I think we should all give a shout out to Snatch. And then we're going to wrap this bit and this episode up. There you go. I wouldn't call that a crash and burn. It was fun, but it wasn't exactly the brawl that I was expecting. Yeah, we... I think Rebecca and I maybe rematch after we prepare. Because again, if I can hear them, I can do them. And I think I'm better at doing imitations than I am doing an actual accent. I agree. And I will throw my hat into that ring because I can do a pretty damn good impression or imitation. So that will be the next project challenge. You are all invited. Cool. I think, can we do audio clips and then like all of us try to imitate it? We should. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Not now, unfortunately. It would have been a great idea 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to beat me at Batman. I'm just going to put that out there right now. No, that's true. That's the voice I'm proudest of. I would just go straight uh, the guy before... Christian Bale? Yeah, I didn't like his Batman. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, that's what I would go to. <laughs> He's have to go boys. with Conroy. It's much better. <laughs> Eric has to go with Conroy in any case. What do we need to plug on the way out of this episode? Buy Cody Crump's album. He was awesome. If you haven't gone back and listened to that episode of Project Challenge, please do. It's what I consider one of the best interviews I know I've ever done. And Cody was so nice, and I can't wait to have him back on the podcast. There's probably a pretty good portion of our listeners that weren't obtained through Eric's fame who've not heard of Cat for Kids or your cosplay. So if you want to talk about that for a second, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm Rad Cosplay. You can find me on Facebook. But my biggest thing that I really do is Cat for Kids. Sterling, who's great Australian accent, the only one that really succeeded today <laughs> that you heard earlier, he is my Captain America. We do hospital visits. We always have a table at the local cons. But our biggest draw is we actually raise money to sponsor families that have kids currently undergoing cancer treatment. You can find us at capforkids.org, C-A-P-F-O-R-K-I-D-S.org. We're always looking to spread the word, get more donations, things like that. We're looking to sponsor a few more families this year, and we sponsor each family to the tune of $10,000, so we definitely need some help. And there's a couple of specific initiatives I know you have in the works right now. I'll make sure to include links to those in the show notes. Awesome. Even if you guys just change your Amazon to throw a couple shekels to cat for kids, do that. It yeah. takes five minutes. My mom did it. Do you want to be as cool as my mom? Then go ahead and give some money to a good cause. And if you get a chance to go to a con, talk to Rebecca and Sterling about cat for kids. It's not bullshit. They're really passionate about doing this stuff. And you'll be able to see that within five minutes of talking to them. I know the first time I met them, I could certainly tell that. And my other podcast, BitFaced, and my podcast, Project Challenge, are both big supporters of Cat for Kids. So anything you can do to help out families that have kids with cancer, man. I mean, come on. The GOP is not going to help you. Let's get Cat for Kids right. in here. Here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OG Challenged and drop a review on the iTunes and Play Stores. Huge thanks to all the listeners, and until next time, stay challenged.